So you are, you know, uh, you, you say to people, go online, share your stuff, that's where the gold is. But a lot of people say, if I share my work online, someone's gonna copy it, someone's gonna steal it. How did you navigate through that? Is it true, do people steal your work online? Um, I think the world we live in, anything, um, if Beyonce drops a track tomorrow, someone, someone can replicate that and whatever, but they'll never be Beyonce. Um, people have to buy into that brand and that authenticity that she represents. So if, if, if anyone else tries to copy that same thing, yeah. it just won't be the same. Hi Tribe, welcome to the Lebu Lion Show, the biggest marketing and entrepreneurship podcast on the African continent. And you guys know as usual, I'm excited for the guests that we have because I feel that we tend to speak to people who are pioneering, you know, their industries or they're just doing cool stuff and they're disrupting the spaces that they're in. And our guest today is somebody who's doing exactly that. I am so excited about him and I've been trying to get him on this podcast and finally there's room in his schedule <laughs> to be here. So let's not waste any more time. And as you guys know, on this podcast, we always ask our guests to introduce themselves. And before we ask him to do that, don't forget to like, subscribe, share, comment, do all the right things that help this podcast reach as many people as possible. But without further ado, David, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm it's a, a pleasure. A <laughs> it's a pleasure. Please introduce yourself to our uh, Lebo Lion community. Tell us who you are. Cool. So I'm David Shabalala, a.k.a. Slain Goliath. Um, obviously, the name Slain Goliath comes from uh, my name, the biblical story of David mm -hmm. when he overcame the giant. So I'm from Harrismith originally, um, born and bred in the Free State. I studied there in Bloom. And yeah, obviously like everyone else who works in the Free State, um, I made the I, I made the call to go to Joburg. It's it's a no brainer with what I with what with, with, with what I studied, yeah. which is graphic design um, and illustration. So yeah, moved to Joburg in 20, 2012, 2013. Mm. Worked for a couple of agencies and eventually did my own thing. Um, I'm just summarizing because you'll probably go more into detail. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I've collaborated with some major brands. Um, I do a lot of self-driven work. And yeah, um, that's, that's me in, in a nutshell. That's such a practical answer for me. <laughs> and for whenever I speak to creatives, I expect them to say something like, you know, I am an open-minded individual <laughs> and I, you know, go with the tide and whatever. And you were like, no, this is yeah. what I do, this is where I come from. Very, very practical. Um, tell us about young David. Who was he? How did he even know that he could draw? What happened? So I was very fortunate from an early stage. And um, it's, I feel like it's not something that, that happened a lot, but with black, with young black, are creative children, where your parents see your hobby as it is what it is. We want you to be a doctor, a lawyer, <laughs> accountant, etc. Mm. So I started drawing from a very young age, um, where my friends, my friends were more into sports and other activities, and I stayed behind and 
true at home. Really? Um, so I've always, my, my, my parents have always encouraged me to sort of um, follow my, um, follow like my passions. Um, you know, little things like when they buy you crayons and mm. when they buy you that big drawing pad that you want, watercolor paints. Um, I think my parents saw my gift very early on. Mm. And I think I was privileged because the school, the, pri the pre-primary school I went to, um, the teachers would tell my parents that this guy is, all the kids draw here, but this this, one this kid has draw. that extra thing. <laughs> yeah. So it's also, it's also, I suppose, all credit due to my parents for yeah. um, enabling me to go to an environment where uh, kids are encouraged to express themselves and where the teachers can see um, the gifts um, like that I had. So pretty much from four, five, six years old, I started drawing and I knew yeah, this yeah. is what I really wanted to do as a profession later on. That's, that's incredible. Um, and that's a very different story to the average creative. Because like you said, your parents will just say, oh no, that's, they just do mm. that for fun or it's nothing. But your parents were like, no, this is a gift, it's a talent, we're moving with this. What would you say to the creative who's watching this and going, ah, oh, I can't listen to David now because he had supported parents and I don't. So, we, you know, I can't follow his path. What would you say to that person who doesn't have a supportive environment about pursuing their creative talents? So I'm very passionate with um, digital, um, mm. using digital social media platforms to whatever you do um, to showcase your craft and your skill yeah. in a content-based way. So even if you're a makeup artist and you have a nine to five at a major bank, you're a bank teller or something, um, use your personal time and your personal resources to sort of showcase what you're really passionate about and like what you're doing. And sometimes the support won't necessarily start from home, mm. from those around you, but there's a whole digital world out there of people who they into different things. And, you know, so they might see what you do and be encouraged by that. And your support system is, could be, it stems from your followers and which could become actual fans and eventually clients, um, depending on like what you do. So I'd say just show your work on like digital. Um, mm. There's so many resources out there, the stuff that you do, people, people can watch people um, explain sort of properly how to sort of put yourself out there. Yes. Um, although I must say support from home is very important, I think as a start, but I mean, that shouldn't make or break you. Yeah. Um, if anything, your skill and your abilities should sort of convince your family that, okay, this person is actually, is actually yeah, good at what they do. I like what you're talking about, guys, because you guys know in this podcast we talk about digital marketing and all the opportunities that exist online. I mean, that's literally the crux of what yeah. we do here. Um, and I'm going to go back to that conversation. But right now, I also want to talk about when did you stop making money from drawing? Uh, because, you know, there is that stereotype that the creative sector doesn't have money, mm. you know, and you're drawing in South Africa. I mean, exactly. when do you even make money? Who says to you, come here, <laughs> you can make money? How, how did that happen? Again, the, 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 privilege, the privileges of having parents who made sure I'm in, I'm in a proper environment that's mm. sort of conducive to my growth. So I went to a public school. It was a multiracial, okay uh, public school. And my Africans teacher, there was something called the Estatford it's basically, oh, yes. yeah, it's more for great. I think it's more for creatives in schools, or whatever, like yes. poetry competitions, yes. choir, singing. Um, I did a bit of poetry as well in school, but I, 
again, this was a platform for me to showcase my, my paintings, like my drawings. Yeah. And my Afrikaans teacher was, she was literally like my biggest fan. Are like, you serious? Um, I didn't like the thought, like I love the teacher um, so much that I think that helped me sort of pass the language, <laughs> even though I struggled. Yeah. So I remember my first painting that I sold was like for 200 Rand. Wow. Um, it was, yeah, so the subject was my girlfriend at the time. Okay. Um, okay, this is like grade eight, grade nine. So, yeah. I mean, but that's a I big girlfriend. deal. That's yeah. a big deal, yeah. <laughs> so she really loved it and she was like, let me buy this. Um, mm. Submit it, whatever, to the I start for thingy, I'll, I'll help you. But like, let me buy it because I think you're really uh, like talented. So 200 Rand at the time, that was, I think I that's, that was a lot of money. Yeah. Because I remember my friends and I, Okay, I'm not promoting um, teenage drinking <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> but it was just the alcohol we bought yeah. and we bought so much stuff. And I was like, wow, like I've made money from my talent and I enjoyed this money with my friends. Yeah. Um, and the support of my teacher at the time sort of enabled that. Mm. Um, that showed me that, okay, this can, this can actually be a career because mm. people are willing to buy your work. Um, so I think that's the first time I made money. Yeah. Yeah. And then how did you decide to become Slaying Goliath, the personal brand, versus just a graphic designer who works for different companies and agencies? When did you de decide to take that jump and that leap of faith? So to be honest, I'm not gonna... It's not a story of uh, me just now totally leaving employment and pursuing this thing. It was a gradual transition. Mm. Um, so the Slaying Goliath thing started around 2013 when I was working at an agency. Um, and it was essentially my my handle on Instagram. I think that at first that's all it was. It was just my handle. But um, while I was working at Soul Providers, I was just doing my own thing under the moniker Sling Goliath. Mm. Um, so most of the stuff I've done, it was while I was employed somewhere. And luckily the environments, like I said, that I was in, they, they gave me the opportunity to sort of do what I want to do on the mm. side, you know, if need be. Um, so 2013 was when I started Sling Goliath. And yeah, my boss at the time was very like very like supportive. Um, I entered the a reality show called Creative Union, okay. um, where mentors sort of um, they help the up and coming creative sort of shape their careers. Yeah. So it was me and like four other guys, and then I entered that. So yeah, this was like 2013 now. Um, so yeah, while I was working, they let me for five days to go shoot to this reality show. Even though I couldn't sort of, um, I couldn't, I, in, I wasn't allowed in theory because I didn't have enough like leave days. <laughs> but they're like, yeah. dude, you gotta write you do, we'll just make a go. plan. Yeah, like just go. And yeah, that really opened a lot of sort of networks for me. And mm. yeah, I got a lot of job offers from agencies. Because imagine now I'm this graphic designer, I'm appearing on TV. Yes. People can see my work and I'm just exposed. Um, so yeah, that's when Slaying Goliath as a brand really started. I really like that. And you've also got a very unique story in the sense that you started in corporate or you started an agency, so you had a nine to five. And that's something that a lot of creatives kind of frown upon and say, well, I'm a creative, I should be working for myself. What are the skills and tools that corporate and agency gave mm. you that are helping you now as somebody who owns their own thing? I think when we started this, you you made a really good point about how practical and almost pragmatic I am with yes. I think who who and what I am and what I do, and I've always I've I've, al I've always been like that. I think 
we live in South Africa and to be a creative is very hard and to make money from it. I think mm. you always you always need to have a proper income mm. at the core and then to sort of give you a foundation to do what you want and then if you become that successful you can even what you do could be your actual way of living. Um yeah. I know it's not easy but um I think I forgot your question now. No, you're actually answering it. So I was you, saying what are the tools or the skills that corporate and agency gave you to be able to navigate through see, entrepreneurship? Yeah. So yeah. it's I think it's also those soft skills also how to deal how to talk to clients, how to mm, ah, that's a big um, one. I'm always complaining about that one. Yeah, the, the creatives don't know how to talk to clients. The things <laughs> that aren't they're not as maybe they're not as funky, sexy yes. as a creative but how you talk to people, how you yes. respond to males, how you present yourself. Greeting. greeting. Something as basic yeah. as greeting. You know, I've been surrounded by creators my whole life because it's part of what we do. And one thing, guys, and I'm I'm calling all of you out, you'll walk into a room and they don't greet. Like if somebody is a client or just they could be someone quite important or whatever the case may be, creators will just be chilling. Mm. <laughs> they don't greet and you're like, hello, <laughs> you, this is the hustle. First you make someone feel exactly, seen, you yeah. greet them, yeah. hello, just something as basic yeah. as hello, they don't do it. Yeah. They'll be on their phones, they'll be chatting, they'll be doing whatever. They, and I'm always like shocked those by little it. Little things, yeah. So it's, those things. are the things I've learned. Um, yeah. Because when, when I got here, I think you're, you're just getting out of the change room. Yeah. and. I thought you were walking up, so I stood up when when you when you were you coming. Because I thought you were coming to hug me, <laughs> but you go to the mirror to fix yourself. <laughs> but those are the principles I've been taught. Yes. Like, dude, just stand up, shake yes. your shake hand, or hug, whatever is, uh, feels okay at the time. Yeah, you know, don't just be a diva. Or yeah. so I've almost been mentored from early on that, dude, you're gonna do big things. So stay grounded and just you know yeah. um yeah say please thank you sorry mm. whatever yeah don't be a diva and for me those are things you learn in a work environment and yeah. conflict resolution the boring stuff and you take that now when you out there in the world by your own you take yes. those principles and those things like take you far i love that i i hope you guys are listening because david is big i don't know if people who are watching this you need to understand like how big of a deal he is. But when you meet him and you're sitting next to him, he's so chilled. Like you wouldn't even think of like the huge work that you've done. And I want to talk about some of the work that you've done, but I still just want to zero in on this conversation of creatives and them doing business, you know, and just the intersection of that. Um, I have a lot of creatives who DM me and they'll say, oh, I want to quit my job because my boss doesn't understand my vision. I want to do the work like this, but they say it must be like this. What do you say to creatives who say things like that? I still say it's a slow, it's a transition, unless um, maybe it's a conversation around privilege also in your situation. Mm. Some people can afford to just try something out for a year, even though there's no steady income, yes. depending on, I don't know, your socioeconomic condition or whatever. But yeah. I always see there's a like transition. so. You start the thing that you want to do while you're working. You yeah. almost, that's where the term side hustle comes from. It's because there's, there's something, there's the main thing that brings in your income and your side hustle. So I suppose the goal is to make your side hustle the actual hustle. You yeah. Know? So you start those things after hours. It's a lot of like, uh, like sacrifice. Yeah. If your work is eight like to five, then from six to 12, you, do the, you will do the other thing. And maybe you sleep for five hours then from 12 to 5 a.m. and. So are you it's saying that if I feel that I'm a creative and I want to do this project and I propose it to my boss and he says, no, 
this vision is not working. Mm. Are you saying I should just keep quiet and say, okay, I'll do whatever my boss wants, and then I get to execute my own visions after hours? Or is there a way for me to be able to speak to my seniors and say, you know, pitch the idea and, and get them to see my perspective and how much of that perspective is valid in somebody else's business. So if I'm working for you and mm. I'm a creative and I say, oh, I've got this idea, and you say, it's nice, but we're not going to go there. How, how important is my input to your business? How, 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 how should I be, or how should I be positioning myself in relation to you as the creative? I think anytime you have, I think your, your idea is gold. That's um, your concept. That's, that's like your IP. That's, if, any, if anyone doesn't believe in it, whether for professional reasons or whatever, I think that is your own thing. Make it work for yourself. Mm. Um, my principle, I, I've never pitched to any brand or mm. any, even any boss at the time, any creative director. My ideas have been mine. I've never pitched. Um, instead, I've shared my work. I've shared it out there and then organically people come to me and say we like what you did can you please do this for us or mm. that very same thing you did can you just put our logo on it um i've never went somewhere and pitched and said this is what i want to do so yeah. it goes back to my to my passion about just like digital and content creation and just sharing your work um yeah your 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 idea is your own idea no one Someone can tell you no, and it's probably someone with the resources to execute it and whatever. But if they say no, then make it work for yourself. Yeah. Um, be smart with how you make it come to life. Um, it's not a no on your idea. So you can still go pursue it. It just means you can't so. do it in that environment. And I that's think so. okay. Don't give up on your idea, essentially. Yeah. Ideas that I had when I was working for agency, they would probably help the in my job, that would probably help the, the company and maybe get me a promotion or whatever. But I thought, nah, this is, this is gold. I'm gonna keep this for myself. I'm Egg gonna do this Egg. for myself. And I like that. Um, You've got this quite confidence thing going on. <laughs> it's very, very cool. Cause you need those kinds of, you know, the audacity. You need that in mm, the creative mm. sector. You won't survive. Yeah, yeah. So I really like, <laughs> I Thank really you. like, I'm surprised. <laughs> this is my first time meeting David. So <laughs> we've been following each other online, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's our first time actually meeting in person. Mm. So the energy is quite interesting. <laughs> very cool, very cool guys. You should engage with his work online. So you are, you know, uh, you, you say to people, go online, share your stuff. That's where the gold is. But a lot of people say, <laughs> If I share my work online, someone's going to copy it, someone's going to steal it. How did you navigate through that? Is it true? Do people steal your work online? Um, I think the world we live in, anything... Um, if Beyonce drops a track tomorrow, someone someone can replicate that and whatever, but they'll never be Beyonce. Um, people have to buy into that brand and that authenticity that she represents. So if, if, if anyone else tries to copy that same thing, yeah. it just won't be the same. So you need to have that confidence in your work and what you do and social media platform that's just platforms for you for your for your work just to be out there um for me i'm not there's no fear of being copied because i also think i'm an early adopter on mm. social media like instagram this like 2011 2012 was still when everyone else was sharing their food and yes. their lunch and whatever <laughs> i was already sharing my work yeah and it just looked weird at the time whatever because this platform is not made for that mm. there are other creative platforms so yes. but i knew there's an audience of ordinary people who might even need design work and mm. i just used my platform early on as so by the time it peaked as a way creatives could sh share their work i was already i think i was already in boardrooms being brainstormed amongst other creatives that look at this guy um 
So yeah, like adopt early. If you if you adopt early enough and your work is authentic, no one can, can really copy it because right. once someone tries to seal it, your audience, like followers can say no, but this is what like David does. Yeah. Um, if anything, you're doing an injustice to yourself as, especially now with how Twitter is, like people will just come for you. Like, yes. um, <laughs> they will. There was some people going around about like my closer, like, um, his stuff being expensive. That, yeah, no, yeah. there's some. There was some fake Makosa stuff. Oh, on. yeah. So even Zara like, copied Makosa's design. Even that, yeah, it was yeah. another issue. But even that, like, it's it's an L for Zara in terms with that little thing. Um, because Makosa's audience, they know his followers. Even people who can afford his clothing, but they they follow brand Makosa and what he stands mm. for and that authenticity. They back him up. They. They say, okay, no, Zara does that, that's fine, but I'm, uh, I'm this closer. Is my closer. Yeah. So it's the same thing, I think, on digital. Like, um, there's almost no fear yeah. to be copied because you know there's a following and there are people who, who've bought into your brand. That's, they know your yeah, signature. Yeah, they know your, yeah. Did you come up, how did you come up with your signature? So the whole writing someone's name mm. or whatever and then having an illustration, when did that happen? Did you sit and go, I need a signature? Or like, how did it happen? So I always say, and I think from early on, my, my biggest, my most successful work is, so I'm very inspired, like, I feed off so much of people like you, people who inspire me, creatives, people who are doing like great things. I don't see that as a competitor or like whatever. I mm. see it as, okay, if she can do this, I can also do it. And yeah. um, so my first piece I did was a Thick Leonce. Mm, I uh, remember body. that one. There's a, uh, I remember it. Um, so the word is, it says thick and then like the eye is her. Yes. Um, I used to follow her photography as well. I've just, I've just always loved what she stands for. This, mm. Like the body positivity and her craft. Again, she was someone who was sharing her work properly on social media, like mm. organically. So like that was my first piece and it just spiraled. When people just, she reset that, people love that. She wanted to do it on t-shirts. Um, I saw an opportunity that, cause my thing is if, if something works, uh, how do you replicate that? Yeah and make it a series or something that's consumable, you know, and, and commercial. ultimately yeah, someone yeah. can buy. So I did that with Thick Leonce, like that was my first piece. And then I think I did one with Loot Love as well. And I think Trump had just become president. I did. So the golden thread I saw that, okay, every time something happens, why not? Mm. Let me illustrate something and find a word, try mix that with a picture and those are just the basics of graphic design also as a just as a as a skill like yeah. um what do you what can you use around your environment to communicate something visually mm. um so i took that and i just yeah i used like digital as my platform you wrote um, an interesting article uh, that you shared on instagram and i read it loved it by the way oh thank you um and you were basically talking about how creators really need to know what's going on in their environment mm. and put that in their work, you know? How important is it to make your work relevant to the culture and the time? Um, my experience of creatives, and sorry guys, I love creatives. I'm a <laughs> bit of a creative, but I'm just, you know, we're having an honest conversation here. And my experience a lot of the time is, a crea creatives tend to work in silos. So it's, this is my idea, this is what I'm inspired by, and take it or leave it, you know? But um, to me, anything that's created has to make sense for the time that you're living in. Otherwise, it's just it's just an object. It's just a thing, you know. Um, so why is it so important for creatives to do that? I think it gives value to your work. It's I don't believe in just a pretty picture for, for the sake of it. Um, there needs to be a story and a concept. And 
when people buy from Bo Leonardo da Vinci back in the day, Picasso, there's a there's a story behind like Mona Lisa. There's there's um, there's value in it when there's a story behind it. So mm. I think with me that's that's it. Like um, like I said, graphic design is like visual communication. So how do you how do you create something that's that that has meaning um, in relation to even our like society, like black like black South black South Africans, which so often they're not represented in the best light, just mm. commercially and stuff. So for me, it's very important to tell the story of like what's happening, but also be entertaining, be ed- educational. Because my followers also, it's a range of from a 12 year old to a 60 year old. Yes. Because um, yeah. the nature of my work, I cover so many themes. Mm. So I think once you have that sort of, once you have an angle and uh, uh, yeah, a strategic sort of perspective, yeah, yeah, on your work. So there's a bit of artists aren't just kumbaya. You need there's a bit of <laughs> there needs to be, you know, um, if you're gonna exhibit your work in a gallery, like the, the curator, like usually helps you shape mm. the series, like your body of work. So I'm 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 like my own like. Uh, curator in a digital space like if i'm gonna create work how will this sort of live you know um conceptually so yes what is the story essentially yeah that's yeah. what you're saying because mm. and i agree with you on that it's you can literally see the difference between people who are just taking photos just mm. drawing just and versus somebody who i'm trying to say something with this mm. work you know whether i'm trying to make you laugh or educate you whatever the case may be but i'm saying something with mm. this work and that's usually the work that makes money yeah like you said mm. you know because you can go into boardrooms and pitch and say mm. this is why i did this this is the idea behind it and people say okay we can invest in you mm. give us a story with your talent mm. because here's our brand you know you know how to tell stories so tell our story with your talent mm. and i think you do that very well Thank you. um what has been in the past because i know you've got new clients now so we're not talking about them but in the past what was one of your favorite uh campaigns that you did and why sure such a difficult question because you have been so privileged I've, like there's so many different I don't know also what metric to use, like what makes it so Okay, special. let's talk if about the KFC one. You see, that's... Because that was big. See, but you could argue what I did with Yoga Sip was... Even bigger. Bigger, yeah. Okay, let's talk about that. Um, yeah, so KFC, appro- uh, Yoga Sip approached me. They wanted to do packaging for Youth Month, um, but they wanted a young black illustrator to sort of do like the packaging. Mm. Um, obviously, I proposed... It was actually a bit of back and forth, like with the stuff I proposed just like generic nice like designs but they're like no dude we want we want your style like what you do with your words and pictures on instagram but bring it back to you you know mm. um so i literally put my face on the packaging like <laughs> i i was inspired by the warhol like yes. those marilyn monroe portraits those yeah. pop art but i just used my face in different sort of colors um and in the hair in the like design there are just like lyrics that spoke about youth so yes. I mean, the lyrics from Karimbe, Sister Bettina, where <laughs> she says, Sila, too, because that's. You We're know, eating our youth. Yeah, yeah. and then <laughs> other songs that spoke about youth, I forgot now, but yeah. there was, you see, again, like, there was like my concept. Yes. Like, let me, let me put that vernac on packaging. Let me put it's, Love it. I'm a black person, I'm gonna put my black face on there. And mm. behind the packaging, so it's my face there, and then there's just 10 different sort of motivational sort of things I, 
I was just saying for the youth, like, you know, mm. put yourself out there, believe in your brand, just different. So the package was, the packaging was like an inspirational piece, um, mm. an art piece that spoke to that black person in their language and yeah, all 11 languages and yeah, for me that was special. And if you can just imagine like the, the reach, it was like limited edition like packaging, but this was like now June, July, August. So that's big. This yogurt has been every, arguably every supermarket in the country. Like, yeah. so the reach also, and for someone else to see a young black person on there, telling them, inspiring them, for me that's, that's value, so much value like for the brand that they empowered me, but also for myself also. Um, that could arguably be bigger, but it's, I mean, the KFC stuff is just as amazing. Yes, yeah. it was. A lot of people were talking about it, but that Yogi Sip one was mm -hmm. also quite incredible. I want to throw something at you, just, you know, because we are representing different people. I appreciate your work because I understand it and I'm in the space. And you also obviously would appreciate what you do because you know how valuable it is. But for the average consumer, I mean, we have a lot of entrepreneurs who watch this podcast, lawyers, doctors, etc. I've heard them say, ah, but branding and drawing is just that. You know, it doesn't matter what a logo would look like. It doesn't matter what, you know, the packaging looks like. As long as you've got it, what matters mm. is being on the shelf. What matters is being out there. Why is this stuff so important? Why does it matter that you are putting Vanak on a package? Why does it matter that you're putting faces that look like African faces? Why does it even matter to have good mm. um, graphics and stuff on things that we sell to the public? Mm. I think we can't we can't complain about we can't complain about stuff like load shedding and the high petrol price and potholes if you're not gonna play your part in what you do in um, championing the black experience, championing. Mm representing you know like representation like with what i'm doing i'm trying to um it's become organic now i'm trying to inspire young black people not only in creative but to sort of pursue their craft and their the passions mm. so those things they 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 those people can grow up to be our future like leaders um if they're not inspired to do proper work and inspire like young people mm. Those are going to be our leaders who are not um, doing that job at ESCOM or are not, you know, maintaining like, uh, like the roles and stuff. So mm. we all have a responsibility, I think, in whatever we do, with the history of our country also, just to inspire the next black person. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, the focus is not, it's not exclusionary to other um, races and, and cultures, but and, yeah. with, with the history of our country, um, yeah. It's important uh, to diversify yeah. that narrative, right? Benek, yeah. yeah. Because it's been yeah. a singular narrative for a very long time. And now people like you are coming out and just saying there's so many other stories. Mm. And these are important to tell. And you can tell them visually. Mm. You know, I, I come from a family of accountants and lawyers. I was supposed to become a CA. <laughs> so they literally think that drawing and stuff is just, okay, fun times, it's nice. Mm. Maybe it's art, you put it in your house, you know, and whatever. Um, and the more I've committed to the creative industry, the more I've seen and spoken to people who say, mm. it was when I was watching Stumo mm. that I realized I could do whatever. And you're like, really? Just, just seeing that, you know? We completely undermine the impact of things just being visible. Mm. And, you know, just being there for people to see, for someone to see David mm. working with these brands and just to see him. And then mm. they go, I can do that.
Mm. You know, so I think you're absolutely right. Like, it's all about representation. It's yeah. all about showing people the possibilities. Mm. And if you don't show them in those spaces, they won't know it's possible for mm. them uh, to be in those spaces. Yeah. Yeah. So that's powerful. Cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I yeah, so, so that's powerful. bigger. That's bigger than it's so it's bigger than drawing. Yeah. So for someone who says it's it's, it's just drawing, but but what am I saying? What's my messaging? Yeah. Who's who's the person who's just drawing? Um, I'm putting black faces on like packages. I'm putting our like languages when yeah. the history of our country, they 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 trampled on the black the black skin. Like it's yeah. sometimes you just need to look at, at at the messaging. And I think at the core, that's what art is. Mm. If you look beyond the colors and whatever, what are you saying? Um, so if the child of that man or woman who's just saying it's it's just drawing, but if that child if they see that representation, they they feel like they can actually do what they want to do. They can actually, yeah. they can be a level, they can be a David. And that's something that's so much stronger than just looking at on the surface level and saying it's destroying. It's, it's the messaging basically that's, that needs to appeal to the conscious of, I mean, yeah. Everyone who's in, yeah. engaging and consuming yeah. with it. It's so interesting. Um, I went to Ghana, I used to go to Ghana quite a bit. And when you get to the Kokota airport, Literally from the time you step off the plane until you drive into Ghana, all you see are posters and billboards with Ghanaian people. Mm. Like it's very hard for you to see a Caucasian face on a poster or like a Caucasian hand in an ad, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I asked the guys I was there with because we were there to just teach like digital marketing and stuff. And they said, well, you know what? Advertising is supposed to speak to the demographics of a place. Mm. There aren't a lot of Caucasians in Ghana. so." You know, we're not going to show them in all the spaces because they, they really aren't enough of them, you know. So we're showing the average person's lived experience. Mm. How political is art? How political is it? And when does it become dangerous when you take a stand? Sure. Okay, I think with the history of our country, um, the symbolism in just imagery and even when things like maybe wearing a shirt with Mandela's face or Steve Pico's face was almost banned, but the symbolism of just a black fist, mm. um, that, had to be, that had to be conceptualized from a creative like, standpoint, that it's just a hand with a, but it's, it's just a hand with a clenched fist, but like what does that uh, like represent? So you see stuff like political like logos with, <laughs> like, <laughs> the symbolism in what is drawn, what is created, is yeah. so much stronger than, you know, on, uh, what's on the surface. So, I keep on, I keep on feeling like I forget your question, but I'm. I'm you, sorry. You're answering it. It's you really, like, you really are answering it. Basically, yeah. my question was, how political is art? Yeah. Like, so it's you can say a lot without being uh, li uh, like literal. Yeah. So I think sometimes that helps in getting the message across within. Um, certain restrictions you know you might have you know um yeah i think in the corners of our country there's the best example just like apartheid how how we used words and symbols that you know helped us you know overcome mm. apartheid um yeah. again that's like that that's what graphic design is words and symbols to to communicate something you know yeah so, that's interesting what do you think of the the flag <laughs> our dear minister's flag his proposal to, to redesign and make it glow in the dark or whatever. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's so, it's so disheartening where 
the Minister of Arts and Culture probably knows very little about arts and culture and even sport and recreation, whatever the full role is. Um, things that uh, things like this are going to happen when the top. There's a saying I think when the head of a fish is rotten. <laughs> so I mean, if if stuff like that gets semi-approved, um, that wouldn't be the case if the minister was someone who's actually passionate about the arts. Like yes. we should be having like our iconic former jazz singers and whatever should be in there. Like our leaders in even if then they require political to join, but they should be they should be leading that. Mm. Um, then that 22 million would go to the arts. It would go to empower um, people who need it, like yes. artists who need it. Like the pandemic sort of, it kills so many artists. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, it's, it's, I think it's just a bit sad. And funny enough, that's what my work sort of, my work brings that like, to light also. Mm. Um, I just couldn't do a, a, a piece about that because I was literally just... So shocked. I was like, so shocked. It's, it's, shocking. <laughs> it's shocking how ridiculous that suggestion mm. is where you're just like, this can't be real. I actually thought it was a joke. And someone sent me an article. They're like, no, dude, it's not a joke. Like, this is really happening. Yeah. And I was shocked. Okay, I have a fun question for you. If you could rebrand a part of South Africa, whether it's a company, whether it's part of our culture, whatever, what would you rebrand and how would you do it? Sure. That's a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I know. <laughs> it is a tough question. I think I'd rebrand. Cause I'm in Santon most all the time. Like I'd rebrand Alex because I don't know. So which we've seen, like I suppose because of the history also, it's such a there's a there's a feeling of there's a sense of pride yeah. in terms of what they've done with what 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 apartheid did to them and how they've made. So it like you yeah. you almost proud as ikas it's like ikas lamakas it's that ikas and then there's everyone else yeah <laughs> but Alex there's there's almost a perception there's almost a it's like it's a slum yeah it's kind of been positioned that, that sentence way. like right there so yeah I'd, I'd I'd definitely like position Alex as sure I don't know how I'd do it but definitely when, when I think of a place Alex, of opportunity yeah it's like a metropolis like a bustling mm. metropolis. And it's it's a very African centric type of mm. expression of, you know, this is how we hustle in this metropolis. Because mm. I didn't know about Alex until I was probably twenty four or whatever. Mm. Like, didn't know it really well. Then I had friends who exposed me. They said, "Let's go here. Let's go." And there's actually quite a lot of wealth in Alex. Business people like to spend their free mm. time there. You know, there's so many different like communities and people. And I was like, "Whoa, this is its own place." Mm. And if you live in Santon or you've been very shaded, you you would just think they're big rats. I, I knew about yeah, the rats before the I knew about yeah. anything. Like, they're big rats that eat children <laughs> <laughs> in, in Alex. That's literally all I knew about Alexandra until I went there. And the first day I went there, I was actually scared that a rat would come, like, see, you know, see, <laughs> like, that, chew that my feet. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then I, I felt so stupid because I spent, like, the day there and I didn't... A rat didn't come and attack me. <laughs> so I think that's what I'd rebrand. Yeah. Even the name, maybe. Yeah. What would you change even, to? Even like Alex, give it an African name. Yeah. Look, I'm sure there's Alexandra. I can bet you it's. Oh, yeah. It's probably some white Komora, man. Isn't Komo oh, is that a See, Komora would be nice. No, I think Komora is a nickname for Alex. Look, guys, we're sorry. If we, we don't know. We are. We are guessing these but things. But that's definitely because yeah. there's a documentary I watched where apparently the 
I mean, people who make Sandton work yeah. as an economic hub, they, they don't mind how Alex is like because basically, like, the workforce in Sandton, those people, like, live in Alex. So the cleaners of the big yes. corporates or whatever, they take taxis to... And it's a shorter so, distance than yeah, the townships. Yeah, so as long as the workforce in Alex are still working in, like, Sandton, There's the no powers need. that be don't even care about, like, developing Alex, as long yes. as those people can get to work. So there's so much development happening in, in Sandton, but that should be happening in Alex. Yeah. Um, so I think I would, yeah, I'd definitely focus on Alex to become that Gazi metropolis that, you know, stands... On its own. On its own. Like on like, merit. Yeah, yeah. That's so interesting. You're like a low-key activist because, I you think, know... yeah, my work has forced me into that role. Really? Yeah, and yeah. you're not afraid to be an activist? Because some people say that, you, you know, you lose opportunities when you start to talk about the what's happening in the country so it's it's a small it's a small fight i have with my agent um he basically mm. helps me with brand partnerships like just yeah. handles the paperwork and he's always saying just 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 calm down, tone it I, down. yeah just tone it down <laughs> just, um but i mean when i look at the opportunities i've had regardless um 99 of the time brands they they actually love that because they say it feeds into that authenticity mm. so if a brand is using someone who's so open and free about like issues it it gives value to what they're trying to do as well like it gives them um um authenticity yeah um like kfc is working with an actual activist who stands for human rights and you know the empowerment of like black people that's yeah. a major win for kfc it's and vice versa for me as well so do you think that corporates are really committed to diversity and representation and inclusivity or do you think they're just doing it because it's the cool thing to do right now i've had the privilege to be in boardrooms where they tell me that and i've seen things and i've seen numbers and what these big brands i've worked with have done for communities that they, they don't actually like put Share, out there yeah because it's it seems so much that it will look like it's just pr mm. um and then the stuff that they'll obviously put out there um, but I do believe so because I've seen, yeah, I've, I see more black faces, I see more black women in power positions. Like these are the women and black brothers who've picked me mm. in those corporates to work on those campaigns. Um, so I think there's there's change. Like I think black people have more voices now to sort of at least try make a change, make a difference. Um, yeah. If there was one thing you could tell somebody who wants to get into your field of work who's watching this podcast what would you tell them sure my favorite book is by austin cleon um cleon k-l-e-o-n mm. so the book is called show your work mm. for me that's your i think for me that's so obvious for whatever you do like put your work out there on digital because yeah, like 20 likes on your thing. From those 20 people, you just need two or three key players or someone who actually needs your service or something and mm. to take it to, to, to the next level. So I know it also boils down to the issue of like the cost of data in this country and access oh, to internet. please, please. But people put your work will always out there. complain. But like, put your work out put there. Put your work out there. In a creative way. And um, I say this all the time, like your best marketing tool is your work. Yes. So don't say I... I cook, I do this, I do that, show that food, show that, like, present it properly. and Don't tell us, show us. Yeah, yeah. for me it's that. Um, and I don't know, if I'm not the best example of that, then my peers in a similar place, we spoke about the twins earlier, just yeah. off camera, like, 
they put the work out there. They mm-hmm. they told our stories, their travels. They put it out there. They and people people who key players they 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 bought into it. Mm. Um, so just put your work out there in a creative content based you know format. Like I um, agree with you. I mean, you're basically talking about a principle we love to to explore in digital marketing, which is basically finding the smallest viable number of people mm. who can legitimize you. Mm. You know. You don't need a hundred thousand. You just need sometimes even twenty. Yeah. You know, people will say to me, "Oh, but you've only got twenty thousand. I'm like, "Do you know who's following me in that twenty thousand? Mm, <laughs> you true. know, that's who's paying my bills. You know, it's, I don't need the hundred thousand or the mm. one million. It's it's that's not my game. It might mm. be somebody else's game, but it's not my game. And I think that's the same for creatives. They don't understand how creative work, so music, art acting, whatever, how quickly it's adopted by people, how easily it's consumed, and how easy it is to actually share it. You know, that's why you're seeing the surge of like, comedians becoming presenters, and you Mm. find them on TikTok. Mm. Someone's being funny on TikTok, how six months later, I've got a TV show. Mm. It's because of the nature of what you're selling, and Mm. how easy it is to consume. So guys, don't sleep on yourselves. David (laughs) is right. Just share your work. Just find Wi-Fi at a hospital, at a mall, make a plan, mm. but it's nobody's <laughs> job to give you mm. everything that you need to make things happen. You have to hustle for yourself, right? Mm. Okie dokie. So before we end this podcast, we have a little rapid fire segment in the podcast. And it's literally like just a few questions, some of them from social media, some of them I've just come up with. Uh, we ask and we see if you, if you know your stuff. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? I think so. Okay, cool. Let's start. And I think I found it very difficult to phrase this question, but which designer brand, and it's an international one, recently launched worn down um, shoes that looked like, you know, poverty porn, essentially? Uh, Balenciaga. What do you think of that? (laughs) I think people, it's... And you have pioneers like Kanye. Kanye did this with his first line of easy stuff where people are saying it looks like hobos and next thing those jerseys, those torn jerseys are like in Markham and, yeah. and people bought them. And yeah. I bought this, like, it, it's weird and whatever now, um, but I think, I'm not a fan, but I think those things will sell and it will be, it, it will be profitable for the brand or whatever. Yeah, but I think, so a lot of people have said that it kind of dehumanizes poor people. Yeah, it, it could, there's an argument there. Yeah, there's an argument for that, but I, yo, it's a tough one in that in that regard. It is quite tough, right? Because mm. they asked me online if I would buy them, and I said I would. Like I genuinely would buy those shoes. I would have bought the Yeezys. I would have mm. bought the torn jersey. For me, there's an aesthetic there that I'm really enjoying. I think it's like grunge. I think it is mm. disruptive. Mm. I like what it symbolizes more than anything. And someone could say, well, so you think poverty is disruptive? And I'm like, no, but what makes you think that if I'm wearing clothes like this, that it symbolizes wealth or whatever? Like, mm. why are we making those assumptions? Because clothes at the end of the day, are an expression of something. Mm. It's not necessarily poor or rich only. It's not a one-dimensional narrative. So it's very interesting, but a lot of people were very upset about what they think the shoe means, the Balenciaga Mm. shoe means. Second question, funnily enough, who is more of a creative genius, in your opinion, Pharrell or Kanye West? I love Kanye West, but I think Pharrell. Why? Um, There's an article I saw (laughs) way back that 
um, Farrell is everything Kanye wants to be. So at the time, Farrell had a, had a he had a proper fashion brand before Kanye. Okay. Um, the apes one. Yeah, the okay. bathing ape. He yeah. collaborated with uh, like bathing ape. He was more ice creams like the shoes. Yeah. Um, he was a producer and a rapper. At the, he was, you know. Um, yeah, man, and he was a fashion. He influenced a lot of. He influenced me in in varsity. Just those bright sort of just bright shoes. Yeah. Like board shorts. Those shirts, the the bright caps, like it was like black skater boy. Bikes, yeah, yeah. Something. Even that yeah. for the culture did a lot. Just yeah. skating could not be part of hip hop, and even Lil Wayne started doing that as well now. So I'd say Pharrell is almost a pioneer in that regard. But Kanye, Kanye took Kanye took everything to the next level, mm. and he's obviously probably bigger reach, big, uh, like bigger following, but. Kanye saw Pharrell probably as inspiration. Um, and there's a book I have of like Pharrell's um, faces and places I've been. Oh, Pharrell even says um, Kanye told him that he's, he really inspired him in that regard. And you're seeing that now with, wow. I think, the Childish Gambino also yeah. just doing different things. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay, so that's, that's very cool. From a design perspective, who's more goated? I learned this term like a couple of months ago. <laughs> uh, Makosa or Richem Nisi? Yo. <laughs> For me, Makosa, I, I, huh. like, I love people who not only come, I feel like, he, I don't know if, if, he, if he came before Richem Nisi in terms of his work being like prominent, mm -hmm. just in a commercial like landscape. But for me, I love people who open the, they almost, they just open the door for everyone else. Mm. Um, so for me, my closer came first in terms of just showing that being authentic and African, but so cool and like premium, um, that's like viable. Yeah. So Rich Miss right now, he's, he's authentic. I think he's African. Um, I think he's work, I think his stuff is like premium. Yeah. Um, so for, from, for me, my closer. Okay, that's yeah. so interesting. I find, Matkosa designs too loud. Uh, like, you know, when you walk in a room, they're gonna see you. <laughs> and, mm. and for me, I kind of just, mm. I wanna hold back a bit when I'm in a room, I wanna be a bit more muted. So they're beautiful, it's mm. just not my style. Mm. Uh, so that's interesting, okay. Complete the sentence. Art is? Yo, that you got the part. <laughs> um, <laughs> In, uh, uh, inspiring, I like that, inspiring. Art is inspiring. Um, yeah. You wanna end with that, that art is inspiring? Yes. Okay, cool. Last question. Would you rather have to endure Rasta's art or spend two nights in jail? Do you know who Rasta is? I'll say Rasta's <laughs> art, yeah. I've met, I've met him at an event. What do, you, what do you think of Rasta's art? Uh, dude, art is... <laughs> again, you see how social media has propelled him into... Yeah. What's the word? Notoriety. Like, in, yeah. being inf just being infamous for... His art. It's all because of social media. Yeah. Like, um, art, I mean, with art, five different people can draw you now and it, you look different. Yes. And they try and they portray you with how they feel, how they think like you look like. And that's always been embraced. That's always been embraced. So, for me, I I, I love I love what Russ is doing. Mm. Um, I think sometimes it's a bit tongue in cheek. I think sometimes <laughs> he knows that. Do you think he knows? Is, 
Yeah, I, I, okay. I literally, I, I'm sure he's trying to get better. Yeah. I think he's, and for me, that's, when you're trying to get better at like what you do and you're still brave enough to put your work out there yeah. as you're learning, for me, I admire that. Man, um, he's a brand unto himself and I'm surprised he hasn't been, apparently, I think he did something with Chicken Licking or, I don't know. He did one, there was a brand and yeah. he like commissioned his work or something, for I don't me, know. You see, yeah. for me, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I admire him. I like yeah. that. I think you're really hitting us with empathy here. You're hitting us with a, everybody's work has some value mm. and focus on that, you know? And, and I think that's the theme of the vibe I always get from how you speak online, what you produce, what you show us. It's a sense of, I'm not against anybody. I'm actually just trying to show the best mm. and the sure. most of anybody that I encounter. And I think that's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for giving us some Thank of your you so valuable time. <laughs> um, I wish you all the best. I can't Thank wait to you. see more of your work. Um, and keep keep doing what you do. We, we need it. Thank you. It's necessary. And we are behind you. Same, same, same to you as well. <laughs> I know I said it should be on TV, but I think you have more power if you own your content. On I can be on both. Right now, Anyone who's watching. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know a few people. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll put in a quid right <laughs> Well, look at that. <laughs> the power of networks. Um, guys, thank you so much for watching this episode. I think this one was really powerful because it's so different to what we usually talk about. And um, so many of you are in this industry. So I hope you are writing things down. You took all the gems down. And thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, comment. Do all the right things that get this podcast to be seen by as many people as possible. Until next time, toodles.